Hello and welcome to Setting the Scheme. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And Tristan, you're still not here. Tristan, at this point, like, I mean, what what even are you doing? Honestly. I, I think right now he's in Alaska. Well, you know, I, I, I hope that they're having fun on their boat in Alaska. Well, uh, in place of him, uh, we have a very special guest. Uh, for the very last time, we have the lovely Macy Norton. I say for the very last time, because the next time she'll be on, she'll be Macy Tankersley. <laughs> I just... Oh, snap. Okay, I want, I want y'all to know that I love this couple uh, more than a lot of things in life. Um, however... That was one of the more cringy things that y'all done. Oh, yeah. Actually, well, I didn't know that was going to happen. And I thought Ben was telling me I couldn't be on the podcast again. And I was kind of like, well, we didn't have no session privately. Macy, <laughs> Macy, I could figure out where he was going with it. And even then I was like, it sounds like he's like detailing, like he's detailing either your demise or your soon or your imminent incarceration. I was like, Ben, what the heck? Yeah, Doug, I'm with you. I have expressed before that I find Ben and Macy equal parts adorable and nauseating. That's and that so was no fun. exception. We try. We really are. And hey, I, I thought thought about it like a few minutes before we started. It's like, oh my this God. is going to come out the week of the wedding, isn't it? <laughs> so. <laughs> hey, congrats. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Hey, um, does the movie we talked about take place in Alaska? Is like... Is Tristan actually in Alaska, by the way? Or are you yeah, guys just being no. silly? No, he's, he's on, on Alaska a boat. cruise right now. I went on the Alaskan cruise whenever I was five, and that's where I got the ring that Ben used to propose to me. So maybe Tristan, Tristan will find his ring that he'll be proposed to with. Right after he goes on a vision quest and gets turned into a muskrat. Yep. yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's moments like this when I go, yeah, these are the friends I've chosen. <laughs> Why is Tristan in Alaska? Because he's a loser. Why didn't I get to go with him? That's stupid. Oh. So anyway, Macy, Ben, what Macy, movie did we talk about? I was about to say, uh, I don't think Brother Bear, the movie we watched this week, uh, takes place in Alaska. However, it does take place in a tundra biome. So, a, uh, from what I could tell, it takes place in the Pacific Northwest. So potentially yeah. Alaska, but probably not and definitely a ton i think it's i think it's i think it's more like more like british columbia-esque yeah Yeah, and it also canada vibe it also appears to have been a really long time ago because there's mammoths in it (laughs) yeah prehistoric pacific northwest yeah i would also Um, point out the mammoths were only in the spirit lights so this could have actually happened yesterday no they rode mammoths they rode mammoths Oh, you're right. Never mind. <laughs> and apparently the moose crashed one, but we yeah. didn't get the we didn't get the luxury of that scene. Also, well, hey, it's I mean, not his fault. How, he didn't see the mountain. It came out how, of nowhere. How does one crash a mammoth? And that's why I wanted that scene. I'm I'm miffed that they cut it out. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't even in the gag reel at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um I will say though, uh I okay so this movie 
this movie is one of those Disney movies that came out in the early 2000s that I very clearly remember coming out. I remember owning the DVD to it. I remember watching it several times. I remember multiple questions about it being asked on Seen It Disney Edition. Anybody remember Seen It? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I was watching this movie and I was like, I do not remember any of this <laughs> at all. It took a second for me to remember, but uh, by the time he turned into a bear, I was like, okay, I'm back on board. I distinctly remember everything about this movie because it was a crucial point in my development of my personality, of my thoughts, my care, my heart, everything I am. I can identify it to moments in Brother Bear. Also, in my upbringing... Of Sunday school and God. I think that was very foundational as well. However, Brother Bear, empathy, loving animals, treating nature well, not judging books before, I don't know, the, the, the books cover. by the cover. There's so many things <laughs> not in judging this movie. Books and then the singing is so fun. And there are pretty lights in the mountains of the cold area. And there are people who lived long ago and fought with spears and how could you not love this cinema film <laughs> yeah, well no. i will happily tell you um uh, in just a well before you um, do, well I, I i will give the facts about this movie but i will also say of the two bear themed movies that came out from disney around this time this is my second favorite my first favorite, of course, is The Country Bears, starring Haley Joel Osment. Oh, that movie sucks. And Christopher Walken, thank <laughs> you. Yum, yum, yum. Put it in my belly. Stop. Um, also, you have to acknowledge Open Season if we're talking about bear movies. Movie. Open Season wasn't, wasn't that good of a movie. If the bear was in more of it, my favorite uh, bear themed movie around this time would be Over the Hedge, but the bear is only in like five minutes of that movie, so you know. All right, facts about Brother Bear. Um, so this movie came out in 2003, it is a G rated movie, you don't see those anymore nowadays. Um, and this movie was directed by Aaron Blaze and Robert Walker, um, and starring. Uh, Jeremy Suarez, Rick Moranis, Joaquin Phoenix, which is really weird. I'm just going to go on and say it. It's so weird that he's in this movie. Dave Thomas, Michael Clark Duncan, and a bunch of other folks. Um, yeah. Uh, this movie, again, came out in 2003. Ratings-wise, this movie has a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb, a 37% on the rottenness of tomatoes, a 2 out of 5 on Common Sense Media. There's one we haven't seen in a while. A 90% Common Sense Media every single week. Yeah, I know, but I never say Common Sense Media. Um, And a 90% on the Google. Uh, box office wise, this movie was made for a budget of $128 million and grossed $250 million. So, mild success. Mild success. Yeah. Um, Did you say more success than me? Yeah, <laughs> mild me. says who? The salsa you eat? Well, Calm down. It is, it is a mildly successful movie because more successful than any of us. Okay, but um, we're not movies. 
Um, but it's like, it's one of those movies that um, people know, but when you start, like if you ask somebody what's your favorite, you know, Disney movie, your favorite animated movie, uh, very few people will think to list this at first. And in my experience, yeah. what ends up happening is you get to talking about animated movies and then somebody will go, remember Brother Bear? And then every, everybody will be like, oh yeah, I remember that movie. But it's not one that people think of right away. It's one that yeah. think of right away. I mean, I like, love this film. Right. But like, but like nobody goes to Brother Bear. No one goes to Brother Bear. Am I, I'm sorry, my middle name is no one. I think I think you're standing, you're stood corrected. Well, I was gonna say Stay my, stood. my overall opinion of this movie is that it's underrated. I think it's a mild success, and I think um it's not perfect, and I do have some critiques of it. Um, but I think it's a good movie, and uh I I do think find it disappointing that it didn't do as well as it could have i think that macy and i are very good friends but that this will be the first true test of our friendship and i look forward to it is it or was it the breakfast club no i hate the breakfast club That's exactly but we haven't discussed the breakfast club um so okay so when when we're talking about this movie one of the biggest things that stood out to me is the acting specifically the acting by our by the Joker himself, um, Joaquin Phoenix? Uh, it is so weird for him to be in this movie, and I'm gonna say why it's weird. It's weird because when I first heard him speaking, I thought it was Christian Slater uh, of Heather's fame. Um, also, that one episode of The Office. Um, because in this movie, Walking Phoenix sounds exactly like Christian Slater, and it's just disorienting to hear Walking Phoenix playing this bear. It's really weird. I don't find it weird. Uh, when this movie comes up in conversation, somebody, you know, I've had this conversation more times than than maybe many people because, like I said, I've been in many situations where folks have been talking about movies, maybe Disney movies in, in particular, and somebody will go, remember Brother Bear? And then it starts this conversation and somebody will go, man, Joaquin Phoenix was in that movie. He voiced the main character. And everybody's like, yeah, weird, right? But I don't think that when I'm watching this. Neither do I, I. Just think, I just think he sounds so disinterested in the movie. Like he sounds like he recorded his lines while he was half asleep. And it just, it doesn't work now, for me. Doug, you say that, and I know you also said you were going to say something similar about Phil Collins, but you've also told us that you fell asleep during the movie. So maybe you're actually projecting what you were feeling onto the people involved in this movie. <laughs> that is true. I did fall asleep while watching this movie. I thought this movie was very, was very boring. I think your opinion is not boring. I find it frustrating. And more importantly, I really don't know who Joaquin Phoenix is. I could not pick him out in the lineup and I don't care. Punk off. <laughs> Punk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I what just think the most. I just think that when I'm watching this movie and I hear Joaquin Phoenix's voice <sighs> coming out of Kanai's mouth, it doesn't match. Like, his is also the only voice that I'm like, this just doesn't match, like, the overall 
picture the overall character that I'm getting from this writing from the visuals. And so because of that, I just, he feels so out of place here. And I mean, you know, maybe it is the fact that, maybe it is the fact that I'm a fan of Joaquin Phoenix's acting resume. Maybe it's because I am a fan of his work, um, specifically his more serious work. But still, it's so weird for him to be in this movie. Also, this movie came out just a couple of years after um, he was in Gladiator playing an absolutely despicable character. And it's so weird hearing the emperor from Gladiator being this whiny bear the whole time. But I would wager to guess that if he did this under like a screen name or something, you didn't know it's Joaquin Phoenix, the exact same performance, you wouldn't be saying all this. Yeah, mm. I don't even know who he is, so I'm fine. Probably, probably. I mean, knowing who, knowing the actor and their pedigree is like, you know, a big thing. But also, his voice just doesn't match. It does not match for me. See, I, I completely disagree. I think, I'm not saying that he's the best person they could have cast in the role, but I think he does a really good job. And But, but, but I'll also say, I'll also say, during the like five minutes of this movie where I thought it was Christian Slater who was voicing him, I was upset at Christian Slater for turning in the performance he was turning in. So I was mad at someone for the mere thought of them being in this movie. What scene is it that hurts you so much that we're um, in this, this dialogue now? We're into this dialogue. I think, I think it's a combination Ugh. of, it's a combination of the scene where he first like, gets his totem and he's talking to his brother and also when he uh first meets uh coda i'm just like you are a very whiny person right now i recognize the fact that this is where your character is supposed to be but good lord this is annoying as i'll get out well that's the point yeah that's the point he's impulsive he has to learn yeah that doesn't mean i have to like it Uh... that doesn't mean i have to like it you're not supposed to like him at that point. No. That's the point of the movie. Uh. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's okay. a it's a negative for me. It's well, a negative. I don't for like me. Camp Rock's tension scene. That's either. okay. I don't like I don't Camp Rock like either. So um there's a kid named Jeremy Suarez in this movie. Who there is the little the little bear named Coda. And Doug doesn't like him either, but I well, really okay. do. All right, I I will say, I will say, I don't like Jeremy Suarez. I like him way more than I like Joaquin Phoenix. I will say, I'll admit, I think Jeremy Suarez, the reason that I'm not a big fan of CODA is because I'm watching this movie for the first time uh, in a long time. And I watched Lilo and Stitch this past weekend and DeVay, and DeVay Chase as Lilo is like the perfect kid character in a Disney movie. And so I think I'm unfairly judging Jeremy Suarez up against DeVay Chase as Lilo. I see. I so, agree with that. So so I'll I'll give Jeremy Suarez this. You know, he does what he is asked to do. And also he's a kid. Like, I'm not going to get mad at a kid. I didn't love his performance, but I think that's also because of the context in which I saw it. I really just don't like Joaquin Phoenix's performance in this movie. Um. I'm going to go ahead and share my one really good piece of trivia about this movie. Um, The line when um, 
I was about to call him Joaquin Phoenix. What's his character's name? I'm blanking. Kenai. No, Kenai. Kenai. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. The scene, they're all named after national parks, right? All those brothers. Um, the scene when Kenai um, is, is like hollering at, at Coda saying, I don't want to hear your stories about Binky and the biggest pine cone you've ever seen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, my piece of trivia is uh, when they were recording that scene in studio, Joaquin Phoenix got the line wrong. And uh, Jeremy Suarez stayed in character and corrected him in character. And it's in the movie. And then Joaquin Phoenix um, just played along from there. And so they ended up adjusting the script, adjusting the dialogue to fit that mistake because Jeremy Suarez corrected him in character. That's cute. Yeah, it's one of the best moments of the movie, if you ask me. Mm. Let's see what Jeremy Suarez has done. I, I almost said with his life, but that sounds really mean. I don't mean for it to sound mean. Um, well, I, I did see earlier that he was in Jerry Maguire, which is a, yet another classic movie I've never seen. Same. Oh, he's also in the Proud Family movie. And the Proud Family movie is a movie that holds up incredibly well. Um, if you have not seen the Proud Family movie, go do that. That's another good, another good little nostalgia pie for you today. He was also... Oh, okay. Oh, wait, never mind. I'm getting... Okay, he was also in the Bernie Mac show, and I was saying, I know who this kid is, and I realized that I'm getting the Bernie Mac show mixed up with Moesha. So, also, shout out to the fact that I remember those two shows. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, I don't, I don't love his performance, but I don't love a lot of kid characters' performance in Disney movies. Except yeah, yeah. for, except for DeVay Chase as Lilo. Because she is phenomenal. She's also in Treasure Planet. Treasure Planet? Mm-hmm. Uh, he Who was he in Ethan. that? He was what? Ethan. And also the little alien kid. Huh. You know, I bet this kid, um, Jeremy Suarez, is living life up. What is he? A little older than us? 30 but he has a 31 31 i bet i bet he's successful i bet he's getting royalties out the wazoo because he got a good lawyer slash mom jeremy jeremy suarez we know you're out there and we hope that you give us some of your royalties for talking (laughs) to you except for doug who hates you i never said i hate him i just don't like his performance you can find me at your underscore fragrance underscore destination um, on Instagram, you can hit my Venmo, Macy Dash Norton. Thank you very much, Jeremy. I would just like to point out, I think this is the first time that we've ever solicited money from our celebrity listeners. Well, only Jeremy Suarez, the successful child actor from Brother Bear. There you go. And other things. And Treasure Planet as Little Alien Kid. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I will say one performance that I do actually like in this movie, and I actually don't think I loved it when I was a kid, but I like it now, is just hearing Rick Moranis as this moose. Just because I, okay, Rick Morant, I'm going to go off on Rick Morant. Oh, I'm going to go on a Rick Morant. Okay, (laughs) here we go. Um, So I think that Rick Moranis is just a truly gifted, awkward comic. Um. I love seeing him in this, honestly. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, he's fantastic in. Um, 
you know, Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2, he's really great in there. Um, and he's just a fun comic to see on film. He's a fun guy to see and to hear because he just, he has this way to deliver lines that are just inherently not great lines, but he delivers them with such panache um, that it really works for me. And, you know, he has since retired from acting to raise his kids, a noble pursuit, of course. Um, but it's just nice to hear Rick Moranis. It's just nice to hear him on screen again, because I haven't watched a Rick Moranis movie in a while. And I, I enjoy the occasional Rick Moranis in my life. You know, it's better than the panache that Rick brings. What? The chocolate ganache on a cake. Okay, I'm going to say boo to that. I'm sorry, my <laughs> Thanks for just spitting some bars for us. Uh, real. You can hire food. me for events. Uh, uh, she's available. She's available the uh, weekend before Memorial Day. Um, she has nothing going on yeah. that day. Yeah, actually, uh, no. Then why am I not available that weekend? We're getting married. What if I get a gig with Jeremy Suarez? We're still getting married. Can he come Jeremy's, to the wedding? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so Doug, yes, there was uh, one big thing about the cinematography you wanted to mention. There is. Okay, so sorry. So there actually is a really cool thing that I saw in this movie this time watching it through. And this actually is a fantastic thing. This is a very small detail that not a lot of people are going to pick up on, but I absolutely love it. So when you start this movie, there's about a 20 minute cold open where we just set the scene for who these characters are, what they're doing. Da, 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 da. Um, and it's shot in four by three aspect ratio okay so it's just this little box it's a very small box you know not not a lot going on and there's huge black bars on the sides and top of the screen top and bottom of the screen however the moment where keen eye is transformed into the bear and is knocked out the next scene where he first opens his eyes as the bear the screen expands into into uh, regular uh, theater aspect ratio. So 16-9 aspect ratio. And that is a very small detail that is, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't have noticed if someone hadn't pointed it out to me. I think I was looking up trivia for this movie and that came up. And I said, that's brilliant because there's another movie that we have not watched on this podcast, but we watched on setting, setting the scene on Some Jerks that also pulls a trick like that. And it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And that is Galaxy Quest pulls the exact same um, cinematography trick, uh, which I just think is really, really cool. Um, so yeah, I will give Brother Bear that. That is one of the more subtle tricks that you can pull in a movie. And I just think it's a brilliant way to silently tell the audience hey, we are now in the full world of this movie. We're in the full universe that you're going to be experiencing for the rest of the film. I just think it's a really smart move and it's really clever and 
you know, it's not something that everyone's going to pick up on, but if you do, I think it makes the experience more enjoyable for you. Yeah, I picked up on that this time around. I thought it was really neat. Uh, going back How- to uh, Rick Moranis for a second. One of the things I really love about this movie is the humor, which uh, most of it comes from uh, Rick Moranis, uh, who plays our Canadian moose friend. Um, is he uh, Took or or Took or Rut? You're muted, Doug. I think he's Rut. Um, but then again, okay, we should be we should say you know Rick Moranis is not the only one who's playing a uh, who's playing a moose in this. That's all. Dave Thomas also joins him, which I think they've done a lot of work together. But um, Rick Moranis is who we're here to see. Uh, I think they both they play off of each other very well. They they uh, have clear chemistry. A big fan of their uh, I spy scene, mm-hmm. uh, where they keep spying the exact same tree. Mm-hmm. Big fan of that. Yeah, they they really play a good old married couple together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know it's very. This movie's humor, if I had to point, if I had to categorize it, I would say it's very dad joke based, which I love a good dad joke. I'm all here for some good dad jokes. Yeah, um, I was going to say much, but not all of the humor in this movie lands for me. And uh, a, a lot of the Rick Moranis stuff is really fun. And I enjoy the little little moosin in this movie for the most part. Um, ah, oh, I can't remember. There was there was one gag I was going to point out that I think is really funny, and now I can't remember what it was. But I'll just go ahead and say the other thing I was going to say about the humor. Um, this is one of my critiques of the movie. Uh, a lot of the gags in this movie are actually really similar to some of the humor in movies that came out a little bit before Brother Bear, which um, you know. doesn't look good for brother bear i was gonna say finding nemo which came out um just a few months before brother bear has an i spy scene with a very similar gag to it as the i spy scene in brother bear you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. yeah because in brother bear they're all like i spy a tree like every time Mm -hmm. it's very similar to when dory and marlin play uh i spy in finding nemo and then the other thing i was gonna say a movie that came out the year before Brother Bear, uh, not a Disney movie, Shrek. Mm. Uh, a lot of the humor uh, when it comes to Coda and Coda's relationship with Kenai feels a little copied and pasted from Donkey and Shrek. All the jokes about like getting him to shut up, getting him to go talk to his own friends, that kind of thing. Those things show up. Uh, Kenai says those things to Coda, uh, and they've already been said. You know, Shrek said them to Donkey in a in an even more rude way. Well, so but they... I mean, it, not to not to sort of undercut that, but I mean, you know, that's a trend that you saw with Shrek because Shrek was the first kids movie that really was like, we can have crass humor, we can have this, we can have really smart aleck characters. And it'll work really well. Um, And so, I mean, I think that, I think absolutely, you know, this movie does, gets, should probably take a hit on the fact that 
it just does the it just tries to do the disney treatment of shrek humor but also i mean i think i don't think that's true do you really i don't i I don't think it's i don't think it's true but i mean what elijah's saying i think is accurate i I mean i would credit that more as just them playing on a trope than shrek trying to so here's here's so i'm not saying it like doug you pointed out crass humor and smart aleck humor that's um that's not really what i'm saying but so watching kenai and coda this time around i thought about shrek and donkey and eventually i thought about fiona too because kenai is actually both shrek and fiona in this story you know how fiona decides not to undo her transformation and actually stay an ogre. Oh my Kenai does the same thing in Brother Bear. Um, but the big thing for me was basically the scene after Coda saves Kenai. They do this whole thing about how Coda won't shut up and it's getting on Kenai's nerves. And it kind of comes back throughout the rest of the movie a little bit. And it almost feels... Um, I mean, the even just the specific lines that they say, and I don't remember which lines I was thinking of, but if you like that, it's that scene in particular after Coda saves Kenai from the trap that I was like, you know, I feel like some of these lines are straight out of Shrek. I mean, I, I get the similarity, but I still think it's more just playing on a trope. Yeah. I mean, you know, it it is what it is. I mean, I think that I think that the humor in this is fairly like 50 50 for me. I love Rick Moranis's stuff, but you know, it, it is what it is. Oh, I remember, I remember now the joke that makes me laugh the hardest as an adult, as, as a kid, it's different, you know, mm. still it's, I'm going to talk about the, the, the mooses. Um, and, and they were also the funniest part as a kid, but you know, as a kid, you laugh at slightly different things. And as an adult watching this, the part that made me laugh out loud the hardest was when uh, the one moose decides he doesn't want to be his his brother's brother anymore. You know, he like cut ties with the other moose. He's tired of his crap. They're they're not brothers anymore. And he goes and Mm -hmm. finds Coda, who's really sad because the the news that was just broken to him about his mother. And uh, the moose goes and he's like, all right, little little bear is going to be my brother now. Um, and Coda says something like, I, I don't want to be anybody's brother. And then the moose like looks back at the other moose, his brother that he just cut ties with and goes, he says something like, see, even he doesn't want to talk to you or whatever, <laughs> like making it about him again. As an adult, that to me is the funniest part of the movie. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah, the movie gets points for moments like that, if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I think one of my favorite things about this movie is um, the animation style because it's all hand drawn and mm-hmm. it looks really good. It's really cool. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, oh Let me have my this. gosh. Okay. Um, the colors Bug. are great. The colors are really good, especially the transformation scene is fantastic. Bug. I love the transformation scene. However, I just want to point this out: the it gets really boring in those backgrounds really fast. What do you mean? I mean, there's nothing going on. Tell it's that pretty. to the illustrator who probably got tendonitis from creating <laughs> this movie. Okay, first of all, they didn't like hand draw. I mean, it is hand drawn, but they didn't draw it on paper and they didn't draw it by cells, but 
Um, maybe not this movie, but they did stuff like Snow White and Cinderella that way, so you can calm down for okay. the art. Yes, but uh, I okay, hold up. Also, it's pretty. Hold up. Pretty. It, it is okay. It is Doug. Pretty. It is okay. Doug. It's okay. It's okay, Doug. Uh, we respect you, but you're wrong. Yeah. I'm with you guys. I really like the art in this movie. Um, so follow me on this we had a conversation i don't remember what the podcast episode was it might have been treasure planet but we had a conversation around 2d animation versus 3d animation with disney and other well the the particular conversation whichever one it was that we had this conversation about we ended up talking a lot about the princess and the frog i don't remember if that was on the same episode the treasure planet episode I feel like we've talked about that a couple times at least. Okay, so maybe it was more than once. But we talked about how um, basically there's this really sus situation going on where Disney um, felt, uh, at least what people think, the way it looks is that Disney felt pressured to make movies that centered people of color, but they kind of just like did it to do it to check the box and they didn't really put as much into those movies as they could have or should have. And then those movies got a little forgotten, a little swept under the rug, a little left behind in the dust. And the princess and the frog was one that we talked about because apparently it was like part of a test that Disney did. They released the princess and the frog entangled at the same time, one 2d one 3d. And they kind of let the, uh, the sales of those two movies determine if they were going to do mostly 2d or 3d from yeah. that point on. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and, and so they kind of sabotaged the princess and the frog, their first princess movie uh, to feature a black woman. Mm-hmm. They kind of just, um, I don't know if we know this for a fact or if it just looks that way, but uh, we kind of talked about how they, they basically shot their own movie in the foot for that reason. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, bro- is Brother Bear a part of that too? I don't think so. Um, so around the, so you, you have to remember coming out of the 1990s, Disney was wrapping up their Renaissance period, just a series of hand-drawn anime movies that really revitalized the company, revitalized the animation department. Um, and then when they came into the 2000s, you know, they put out, Emperor's New Groove, Lilo and Stitch, Treasure Planet, Atlantis, Dinosaur, which is not hand-drawn, but they lump that in with that, uh, with this group of movies. Brother Bear, uh, I'm missing a couple. Um, but Lilo. but they, say that again? Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, Lilo and Stitch. And they put out like 10 or 12 movies, and all but Lilo and Stitch and Dinosaur were box office failures so i mean i think that i don't think it's that brother bear was in the same vein as like one of those movies that was put out like disney was just trying to like undercut their animation department but i think that it was something that led to the situation that we got in Princess and the Frog. As for the movie's representation of people of color, yeah, I think that's a problem that Disney honestly has had for decades. And that, yes. you know, they people people will say, you know, 
Disney maybe have some representation and they'll be like, well, we'll give you a little bit. We're going right. to, we're not going to focus on it and we're not going to tell, we're not going to tell stories of people of color, but right. we're go we'll, we will put them in the movie. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's, and lots of people have that problem, not just Disney. Yeah. Um, so kind of the reason I brought that up is because, okay, so we live in a post Moana world. Now, a lot of people, point to Moana and say okay here's a movie you know this this marks kind of Disney doing some things right that they should have been doing all along there were several things they did with Moana um, that had a lot of people uh, feeling happier because they were like okay Disney made a lot of the right moves with this one right I think that's fair yeah I remember in the pre-Moana world um, reading something somebody wrote about uh, it it was like an essay I found on the internet or something about the representation of uh, people of color and their stories in Disney movies. And this thing that I read pointed out um, that at that time, there were however many Disney movies that centered people of color. Um, And I think, Doug, you probably named all of them. I mean, it's like Brother Bear, Princess and the Frog, Lilo and Stitch, and uh, The Emperor's New Groove, right? Mm -hmm. Um. Okay, and, and there may have been one or two more, but let's just say it's those four. Those are the only four we can think of right now. Um, this essay pointed out that, uh, so, so there, that's four movies, right? Four movies that center yeah. people of color and their stories. Um, three out of those four movies uh, are centered around the protagonist turning into an animal. Mm-hmm. And they spend the majority of their movie as an animal. Um, and... There's, and this is something my sister points out a lot. You know, uh, my sister, friend of the podcast and uh, mental health guru, frequently uh, has pointed out that in the old Snow White movie, Snow White actually has a scene where she talks to her little animal friends about how she's different from them. She's not like, you know, you lowly animals type of thing. Yeah. And then fast forward to The Princess and the Frog, where she is an animal for most of her movie, you know. So this essay was pointing out that's an issue that, um, you know, it's it's it kind of suggests that Disney might be afraid that uh, viewers won't sympathize enough with the protagonist if they're a person of color. But maybe if they were an animal, we would sympathize with them more. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's an issue. And I don't think that's an issue with this movie in particular or or maybe not with any one of those movies in particular. But I think what's troubling is that it's a trend, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things of like, it's one of those things of like, is it intentionally doing it? Probably not. But it's just another in a long series of things and a long series of movies that play off of the same trope. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And, and none of it, I mean we've run into this problem before all of us here are white folks and none of us are super qualified to speak on the representation of indigenous folks, but um, also true from, from where we stand. I mean, would you guys agree that brother bear looks like maybe a little bit of a mixed bag? Hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. 100%. I mean, I think, I think again, I, I said this before, but I don't think that, this movie was made with the intention of like, like let's, let's be real. Princess and the frog 
for the most part, was made so that Disney could say that they have um, that they have a princess who is a person of color and who is a black woman. Um, like that's that's the purpose of Princess right. and the Frog. That was their whole marketing campaign behind it. Yeah. Um, Brother Bear, I don't think was made as one which was marketed as this is Disney present representing an indigenous uh, people group or an indigenous population. I think it's one of those things of like the intent may not have been there, but because of the context that we have, especially the context that we have now in 2023, it's not 2023, it's 2022. <laughs> Welcome to the future friends. Um, because of our context that we now have, we're able to look back and say, this is just another you know, long series of missteps by the company. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brother Bear also wasn't the first time Disney made a movie about indigenous folks and about Native American folks. They'd done it before. Um, and if you ask me, uh, I think Brother Bear signifies a lot of progress from Pocahontas. I think it's way better than Pocahontas. Yeah. I I will give this movie that is way better than Pocahontas. Yeah, I definitely think it is. And then, you know, and then we look at the Princess and the Frog. And I think a lot of us look at Princess and the Frog and go, all right, you took a baby step. Let's, you know, let's see, let's see you do a little better. Um, Cause you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only African princess they've ever had is a lion. Is that right? Before um, Tiana? Yes. Well, Tiana is African-American. Oh. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. That's, 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 I didn't make that distinction when I said it, but yeah, they've, I don't think they've ever had an African princess um, except for Nala, but I, but I didn't look it up, but again, you know, they give us an animal that we can sympathize with. What about some people, you know, what about yeah. some people that we haven't seen already? Um, I think that's what we're all waiting on. And again, Moana was like a big step. A lot of people agree. Um, and we've had, other other movies that represented a big step too i think yeah yeah you know we're we're coming off the heels of encanto and of turning red which i yeah. will go on and say if you've not seen turning red mm -hmm. go see it yeah disney's done a lot go see it. it's so good. to represent uh latinx or whatever term you want to use culture in movies lately um and that's cool yeah um but yeah brother bear probably is one of those that's like in, in a lot of ways, a step in the right direction, but maybe a misstep in other ways too. Yeah. So Macy. Yes. How about that music? I love the music in this movie. I think it's so fantastic. The moment that the um, they first saw the spirits up on the mountain and, well, not the first time, but when I guess Sitka came back and was transforming um, Kenai into a bear and that just singing in the background was happening. Oh my gosh, it was just so beautiful. And it took me back to a time when I was a kid, when I was like entranced by what I was watching. And it was just really cool to kind of like reminisce on those feelings and that experience and remembering what it was like to watch this for the first time and like the wonder I felt. So I love the music. Even the song that you thought was cheesy, I love. I think it's just this big hug. It's like a big welcome home, this movie, in my opinion. Yeah, okay. I'll go ahead and agree 
for the most part, Macy. Like I did say there were a couple songs on the soundtrack that I think are real cheesy and I don't really enjoy them. But um, overall, like when I think when I think back on Brother Bear, you know, I've got a lot of nostalgia with this movie because I watched it several times as a kid. And the music is one of the main things I think about. And that scene you're talking about with the transformation, um, with the spirit singing, you're, that's really, it's a really beautiful scene. The music, the, the imagery, everything is really good. Um, and I said, I, I like Tina Turner's presence, even though it's weird uh, uh, that Tina Turner would be in this soundtrack. I like her part. And then, of course, there's the big song with Phil Collins singing about how he's on his way. That's a great song. That's 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 fun stuff right there. I and I think we can also I think we can also um, say that that song is diegetic to the film because Coda oh, yeah. is singing it. Coda does sing it. Yeah. So. So, I mean, you know, I think we can I think we can assume that in the universe of this movie coda's singing voice sounds like phil collins <laughs> yeah as he matures yeah, yeah that's yeah. how his voice changes um all right well i do have to say i'm sorry but i'm also not sorry i don't love the music in this i love one aspect of the music in this and that is that this movie introduced me and my father to the blind boys of alabama which is a great musical group they're fantastic um they are featured in this movie and also the Easter classic uh, Hop starring Russell Brand and uh, uh, Cyclops from the X-Men movies, whose name I can't remember. Um, James Morrison. Uh, so I'm very happy to have heard about the Blind Boys of Alabama from this movie. I've actually seen them in concert. They're fantastic. Um, I was looking forward to this movie to hear Phil Collins, because I like the song, I'm on my way. I like it, you know? It's it's a bop. And I'm sorry, Phil was not bringing his A-game here. He was, I feel like he was asleep. I feel like Tarzan, we got Genesis, Phil Collins. Here, we got Leviticus. <laughs> yes, I've been planning that joke for several minutes now. Doug, I think you decided not to like the music, just so you could say that. No, I, I decided on the joke after I made my mind up about it, but the joke was a huge plus. You've already told us multiple times that you slept during the movie, so how do you even know if it was good? I, I could hear the music. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just happy that you were sleeping. That's um, good. Yeah, um, I would like to point out the day that we're watching this movie, um, I went to sleep last night at 5.30 in the morning. Cool. That's horrible. I know. Dog. (laughs) Go to bed at a decent hour, man. I... (laughs) But what if I have things that I should be doing? That's what the daylight time is for. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm upset that we get Leviticus, uh, Phil Collins. I'm going to start referring. I might put that on a sticker. You should just make a Phil cover or a Phil Collins cover band uh, uh-huh. named Leviticus. And all the music is just long and drawn out and really slow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we'll break up and we'll come back together for a new band called Deuteronomy. And we'll say the exact, we'll sing the exact same songs that Leviticus sang. Just, <laughs> By a different band. 
Anyway, um, I think it's time we score this sucker. Good yeah, idea. Let's do it. I guess I can get us started this week since I was already talking. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to give this movie a 75. Uh, I think this movie is good. Um, I don't think it's perfect, but it's enjoyable. I think it's comforting. Um, kind of like a good, just like a good solid movie to watch. So 75 feels good. Yeah, let me go next. Um, I do feel similarly, but I like this movie more than you do, Ben. I'm giving it an 87. Uh, I, a lot of it is nostalgia talking, I'm sure, but I do think this is a good movie. This is not the first time I've rewatched it as an adult because I really enjoy it. And I didn't say this earlier, but Brother Bear is one of the things that I've thought of recently as like one of the signs that I really am getting old. Like I'm a whole like like all of my kidness is gone. There's none left. There's no puppy left in me. I'm an old dog now. And Brother Bear is one of the things that made me realize that because I'm just noticing more like the urge to cry in movies. And Brother Bear does that to me. Proud of you. And you know, I'm not a a movie crier and also generally don't have emotions, (laughs) but I find myself feeling things watching movies now because I've lived more. (laughs) And and Brother Bear was one that made me like, I'm feeling things. So yeah, 87. Dang. Macy, you want to go or do you want me to upset you? You can have the honors. I might give this movie a 50. Um, I don't like it. It's not good. There are fine things in it that like, it, like I would, I would put this on whenever I have kids, I would put this on as like something nice and harmless that they could watch in the background. Um, but I have no intention of ever watching this movie ever again um it's boring phil collins does not do it for me and joaquin phoenix is just weird in this movie you are so upsetting i predicted that score i don't care my score is a 100 because i love this <laughs> my gosh so much and it is perfect and you can go die in a hole quote Doug Gooden quotes Macy Norton, soon to be Tankersley. Anywho, the score is probably, it's not, sweetheart, the total is not 78 because the the, hear me out, 150 totals to 75. You had 75 and Elijah had 87. So the difference between that would be no. 75 and 87 because listen but 75 is in there twice and 100 is in there did you add 100 yes no after plugging that into our pen, no, scoreometer bam, 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 bam. we get a viral score no. of like, uh, 78 can i tell wait let me do some math on okay. the bonus episode so 100 plus 50 is 150 divided by 2 is 75 right it's and and canceled out so 75 plus 87 divided by wait 75 plus 87 plus no divided by two is 81 the average schooler is 81 (laughs) because doug's score was canceled out by my score that's not how that works hold me back hold me back (laughs) Hold me back. I'm coming 
that's not how it works. I'm coming for him. Well, friends, next week we're going to be watching uh, Wade McLamory's, uh, one of his favorite movies, August Osage County. Um, so I've never seen this movie, but apparently it's good. Um, yeah, uh, I think honestly, I think for the majority of life of my life, I've thought this and Bridges of Madison County were the same movie, but apparently they're not. Um, I haven't seen Bridges of Madison County either, but, um, but yeah, we're going to be watching that next week. Be sure to keep up with all the things we have going on at Vider Media. Uh, you can find us on Facebook and on Instagram at Vider Media. That's V-I-T-E-R Media uh, and on Twitter. Um, uh, T with Doug G just doesn't exist anymore. Um, maybe it will one day, but currently it does not. Um, and uh, yeah, next time you hear from us, Ben and Macy will have been married uh, and uh, we'll be watching August Osage County. All right. Until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Elijah. And I'm Macy and frustrated at the system. And Tristan still is not here. But maybe he'll be here next week. You just With have to tune in and find ring. out. Oh, that'd be an interesting twist. Yeah. Tune in next week to see if that happens. And until then, have a great week.